The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We'll continue this exploration of the cultivation of wisdom in the context of our mindfulness practice, in the context of the the Satipatthana Sutta, the main discourse on mindfulness practice given by the Buddha um, that I I know that Andrea has been um, leading for for some weeks now. So why why do we practice mindfulness? Why do we engage in in a in a regular awareness practice? that there are many very deeply wholesome qualities of mind and heart that mindfulness cultivates. Um, and one of the most powerful and most transformative uh, wholesome qualities of mind that, that our Satipatthana practice, our, our awareness practice cultivates is wisdom. And wisdom is this, factor of mind that clearly comprehends what is actually happening in our direct experience. It's what allows our minds to understand the nature of stress and its causes and its release. And wisdom dispels the delusion that underlies the ways that our minds participate in our suffering and our struggle with life. The wisdom illuminates the nature of our experience. Um, and the delusion is rooted in certain fundamental misperceptions about the nature of our experience. Um, on the deepest level, um, some of the the, the deepest um, ways that delusion manifests in our relationship to experience is perceiving experience to have more stability and constancy than it does and perceiving, believing that experience is more within our control and more governable than it actually is. And uh, believing and perceiving that it's possible to arrange conditions in our experience just so, so that we will be satisfied and no longer experiencing craving or greed or aversion. There's this kind of, um, this deep belief that it is possible if we try to get what we want and we, and we, we can finally get it and line all of our ducks up in a row that we won't experience stress or dissatisfaction or unease anymore. And that's what keeps us going round and round in this kind of endless cycle of what the, what the Buddha called samsara, this, this endless searching, endlessly searching for the next thing for, for release from this um, cycle of, of craving and dissatisfaction and unease. Um, 
in the Angurtarnarkaya, the Buddha says that gone astray with wrong views, beings misperceive with distorted minds. Bound in the bondage of Mara, those people are far from safety. They're beings that go on flowing, going again from death to birth. But when in the world of darkness, Buddhas arise to make things bright, they present this profound teaching which brings suffering to an end. When those with wisdom have heard this, they recuperate their right mind. They see change in what is changing, suffering where there's suffering, and non-self in what is without self. By this acceptance of right view, they overcome all suffering. This really points to the centrality of misperception and delusion in the origination of our of our stress and suffering. And that when there is wisdom present, uh, that that suffering is overcome, that there is that there is release. But it's not not through the paradigm of greed and aversion, which is having things be how we think they should be or how we want them to be, but rather in the relationship to however it is. There's a, a profound freedom in not having one's um, kind of core sense of well-being and freedom be dependent upon what's happening in our bodies, which we can't control. How long can we keep aging and illness at bay? That's a sinking ship. If we, if it's a losing battle, if we think that we can control and, and um, stave off uh, all of these natural processes, um, or thinking that we can we can control what we experience, even we cult we do cultivate certain qualities of mind, and that's exactly why we we practice. We practice so that the conditions are set in place so that more wholesome qualities of mind, which give rise to ease and well-being, are conditioned into uh, and patterned into our hearts and minds. And yet it's, it's a natural process and it's a conditioned process. You know, it's very clear when we sit down to, to, to practice, to meditate, you know, if we, we can have the intention to, to really be mindful for, you know, for 30 minutes and how, how often, how many times during a 30 minute sitting does the mind wander off despite our intention to, to attend to the breath or attend to the body or just receive or attend to open, open experience. Um, the mind is, is also not, not in our control. And wisdom is actually what does the work of letting go. I think that sometimes um, we can feel responsible for the ways that we suffer and the way that we feel like we should be able to let go um, and, and kind of double down on 
some of these patterns of of resistance and and stress, um, and yet, um, as the Dhammapada illustrates in the opening lines, um, there's a really clear uh, conditioned relationship between um, like delusion and other other qualities of mind on the one hand, and when uh, and wisdom on the other, and whether or not we are struggling and suffering, or whether we're whether there's ease and, and peace in the mind. The Buddha said, all experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. And corrupted here means rooted in greed, aversion, and delusion, the opposite of wisdom. The, the instructions, the instructions themselves of the Satipatthana Sutta really do model the perspective of wisdom to an extent. We are to observe our experience in a non-reactive, not unidentified way, knowing experience simply as experience, whether pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And we are to observe its arising and passing and, and the conditions underlying its arising and passing. Um, so it's really pointing to the cultivation of understanding these three characteristics of impermanence, conditionality, and unreliability. We're to observe the experience through the lens of uh, these, these Dhamma teachings in, in the fourth foundation of the five hindrances, the five aggregates, the six sense bases, the awakening factors, and the four noble truths. These are all lenses that support or characterize the perspective of wisdom. <clears throat> it's, it's really easy to become identified with the process of meditation um, and what the mind is doing during our meditation. I alluded to this a little bit during the, during the sit. Um, and the instructions really encourage us to include all aspects of our experience and all, all the all of the activity in our minds um, in the field of what is being known. So we may we may be trying really hard to be aware. Uh, we may be noticing that we're trying to get it or do it right. Uh, we might be judging ourselves for how our minds are wandering. Um, we may feel like we've, or we may feel on the other hand, feel like we've really got it and we're awesome, you know, kind of this inflated sense of having got it, having really achieved something or, um, and all of this is really just to be included as part of the unfolding of this natural process of the mind. The instructions encourage us to, to, sim to simply, for instance, to know aversion as aversion. Oh, I'm really struggling against this agitation. 
wanting it to go away. Um, and, you know, there can be a, a tendency to not recognize that aspect of the mind, but to, to be identified with it uh, and then to, to feel like, oh, to, to, and then to, again, to, to doubly judge ourselves for being reactive um, or think we should be able to stop it or like kind of try to will ourselves into how we, how we want to be. And the encouragement is really to include all of that as just like a passing pleasant, unpleasant body sensation, whether there's greed or aversion or wisdom, we can simply know the, the, the natural unfolding of the mind and knowing that seeing that that's actually happening on its own and changing so quickly that it's so futile to try to, to um, identify or solidify any one moment of experience. It's just this constantly shifting um, process of different patterns and experiences arising and passing um, and all due to many, many, many years of conditioning. Many years of conditioning. Now, it's not, not something that we ultimately control. And that can be really good news, really relieving to, to put down that burden of trying to be how we think we need to be in order to feel okay, in order to be acceptable. But really, this is a natural human process. There is no good or bad experience, no good or bad object. Um, Ajahn Sumedho, uh, find this quote here. Ajahn Sumedho is one of the, the, the primary Western um, disciples of Ajahn Shah. And he said that as far as meditation is concerned, people tend to see themselves in terms of either attaining or not attaining. One thing I commonly hear is, I've been practicing for years and I don't think I've got anywhere. I don't think I've attained anything. In that case, the basic delusion has never really been penetrated. That I've not achieved anything yet is a created thought in the present. By becoming aware that that is a created thought, one no longer believes such a statement or any thoughts about oneself being reality. One begins to sense the infinite instead, the unborn, the unconditioned, the deathless in which one no longer limits oneself or binds oneself to the conditioning that one has. One begins to realize that liberation is through letting go, through allowing life to flow, through openness and attention. And wisdom is this quality of mind that understands that all of the experiences that arise are part of nature and are on, on some level deeply impersonal and 
profoundly not a problem. Um, and there's this, this might sound like it borders on passivity, yet when, when there's room for our own experience to be okay, the qualities of mind that, uh, that, that that allows to blossom, like compassion and kindness and clarity, discernment and wisdom, allows for a profoundly attuned and effective response to what is happening in our lives and in the world. The Buddha was completely free from, from aversion, from craving, from stress, and was not at all passive. He, he was uh, uh, engaged in peaceful protest and trying to stop wars during his time. Um, he spent decades um, traveling uh, throughout India to teach, to help people um, to help people really release their search, their stress and suffering. And wisdom understands, wisdom is the quality of mind that understands that um, that, that release from stress and suffering, that relief from dissatisfaction, from agitation is, is, not, is not found through getting rid of what's unpleasant or, or what we don't like or getting the things that we think that we need. Um, it also doesn't deny those, but it recognizes that it's, that it's a, a futile uh, attempt to, to achieve security in the realm of conditions that is inherently un- insecure and unstable. Um, and, and that we, we can still navigate that in a responsible and caring way with, with, with foresight, with, um, with being good stewards for our lives and good stewards for the planet and for those around us. Uh, without actually trying to hold on in this kind of in this tight and grasping way, but that ultimately the deeper happiness comes through letting go through non greed, non aversion, and non delusion, rooted in wisdom and love and generosity. This doesn't mean that we neglect. Um, that we neglect the world, we neglect our lives. I, I think that that from the perspective of of greed, aversion, and delusion, it can feel like if I'm not worried about these things, then then surely I'll just be I'll just be neglectful. Yet when we're freed up from these reactive patterns of of uh, of stress of worry of identification and we can actually really effectively tend to things um, in a much more skillful and and effective way and still um, really take care of all of the, the aspects of our lives that need to be taken care of. And how, how is wisdom cultivated through 
our practice through this simple moment-to-moment awareness of awareness of experience. So wisdom is is a direct and intuitive understanding of the nature of our moment-to-moment experience. It's at it's really at an experiential level that the wisdom that truly liberates us, that truly um, uproots these patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion that cause stress. It's at an experiential level that, that this kind of wisdom is cultivated. It's not simply a conceptual understanding or like a knowledge-based wisdom. And so it's through this interested and sust- sustained observation of direct moment-to-moment experience uh, supported by the various lenses through which the Buddha encourages us to, ex- to, to view our experience, um, that this insight or direct understanding grows and ripens quite naturally without us needing to do it or get it or try to force ourselves to see things in a certain way. Uh, we simply recognize how we're perceiving right now and remembering that it's just nature. And all we need to do is reflect it in the simplicity of Asatipatana instructions, knowing our present experience as, simply as, as our present moment experience, however that is, moment to moment. Uh, but to read a passage from Saida Tejaniya on the process of of cultivating wisdom through meditation. With information comes the opportunity for wisdom to arise. And with wisdom, the defilements will naturally get less. The defilements, it's uh, not a great translation for for greed, aversion, and delusion, but that's 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 what that's refers to. So with information comes the opportunity for wisdom to arise. And with wisdom, the defilements will naturally get less. Whatever is happening in the mind, just let it be. The objects have nothing to do with you. They are not personal. The things that you know, they are just happening. Everything that happens in the moment is simply a result of past causes and conditions. Because what you are experiencing now is just a result. It also means that you can't change this because you can't change the past. What you can do in the present moment is to act. And your action will be to be mindful and bring in right view. And this will fold, this will mold future events. So this is the work of a yogi. First to bring in right view and then to maintain awareness. Often yogis come to me and say, I'm, I'm stuck in my practice. What should I do? How should I continue? All I need say is have right view and be mindful. Let any experience arise. This is just nature happening. Don't take it personally. We need to observe objectively. And from that, we will learn. A learning process will unfold. That is the whole work of Vipassana or insight meditation, a learning process. 
You're not trying to control your experience or make it go away. You're not trying to have a good experience or avoid a bad experience. You are just going to see what is happening now and see if you can stay with it. Your only work is to be continuously aware. And so when Sayadaw Tejaniya says that when, when our minds gather the information that they need, um, they learn about the nature of our experience and wisdom is born. And so we are, through this careful and interested attention to, oh, what is this experience of of the body? What is this experience of stress? Or what is this experience of having this thought about my life or the world? We get begin to understand what it actually is in our experience. And with that information, this kind of direct insight into its nature unfolds quite naturally. And so we don't have to, to try to um, to control or make that happen, we can just simply attend to experience in a very simple way, moment to moment. And this wisdom is a natural result of the mind learning about how our experience works. And that happens quite naturally as we attend to our experience. We're encouraged to receive whatever is naturally arising in our experience. Um, as Utejaniya said, not trying to create a good experience or avoid a bad experience. In fact, every experience is a perfect object of our meditation, including feeling like we're not meditating well. That is, um, that's a collection of thoughts and emotions, and those are simply natural processes of mind that that we can observe and learn from. Um, so whether we're feeling confused or foggy, that, oh, that foggy, foggy mind is being known, or, or this is confusion, this is confusion. In the Satipatthana instructions, and just knowing the qualities of mind that are present, just as they are, not trying to create the ones that we think we should be having recognizing how it is. This points to this perspective of wisdom that there really is no hierarchy of experience. And chasing after pleasant experience and pushing away unpleasant experience is deeply natural and human as that, that is. That's actually not, not necessary and not, not, not something that ultimately supports um, our well-being. Um, not, not that we have to feel bad about that, but that we can, when we open to that, when we begin to, to really understand that on a, on a direct, intuitive level, that pattern naturally releases. So yeah, like whether we're feeling like, like we don't know what's happening in experience, it takes a little bit of awareness to recognize, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm very aware. Although, okay, that, that can be the object. 
feeling confused or feeling some doubt. Doubt is one of the hindrances. And in the fourth foundation, the Buddha encourages us to simply know doubt when doubt is arising. When we're feeling tense, um, feeling sleepy, uh, these are often things that um, our minds react to, identify with and react to habitually. Um, and the encouragement in the Satipatthana Sutta is to, to include all of that as, as part of what we're being with, part of what we're observing and, and learning from. And the reactions in the mind related to that, which is really where the stress around them comes from. So we're simply recognizing any of these experiences as such, um, no matter what's happening in our experience. And there's no right or wrong object of meditation, which makes um, this a really profoundly um, flexible and portable, uh, portable practice so that we don't have to just be silent in meditation. We don't have to be, we don't have to feel quiet and peaceful. We can be moving quickly and talking and working and on the computer and on the phone and uh, cleaning up and whatever it is that we're needing to do. And um, whatever is naturally uh, available to us in our experience, then that's just the simple being with kind of accompanying ourselves as in throughout our day, as we're being natural, um, just being ourselves, uh, just this, whatever level of experience is obvious, that's just simply what we can be with and know. Uh, it doesn't have to be very subtle and refined like, um, we might have some idea about, oh, it needs to be very quiet and still in order to see deeply, but you, uh, it's possible to have very, very profound insight in the midst of chaotic, busy day-to-day -day experience just through this interest in attention to moment-to-moment -moment experience. Um, and we're not, we're not, we're not grabbing on to um, the peacefulness that we might feel, and, and the peacefulness that we might feel sometimes in our sitting is um, a pointer to, depending on what's happening, that can be a, a taste of or a pointer to some of the, the the fruits of wisdom, the qualities of wisdom, when there isn't this reactivity. Um, and that can be uh, a really powerful source of, of faith and trust that, oh, this is, this is possible. Like this, this practice really does lead in the direction of, of ease and well-being. Um, and through this simple observation of what our minds are doing, we, we begin to see how prevalent um, these patterns of of reactivity and of greed and aversion are and how prevalent delusion is. And we, we begin to directly and clearly see how it is creating stress and suffering. This is a really essential and, and 
powerful insight to begin to understand that it's it's the craving in our in response to our experience that underlies stress and suffering and it's not it's not the fact that the initial experience was pleasant or unpleasant which is the story that um that that delusion tends to tell it's like oh that this is unpleasant so it 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 i have to get rid of this in order to be okay and yet you may have noticed without the unpleasant or the pleasant thing uh changing sometimes the the resistance just falls away or the, the the wanting just falls away and there's a moment of it not being a problem um and that can be a real pointer to um this possibility of there being the the ending of of stress without needing to arrange the conditions in the world or in our lives to be how how we think they should be and as we as we begin to more deeply understand this our not our minds really naturally begin to release this pattern and orient from a relationship of non-reactivity of peace of love not allows room for um, profoundly attuned responses that don't add stress and don't add suffering to to the the situations that we're responding to and as our minds begin to understand the impermanent nature of experience that it's a natural and conditioned process not something that we're ultimately in control of um and that not understanding these these aspects of experience is what underlies this tendency to to hold on to to experience then the mind only clings that the mind that the mind don't really only clings because it believes there is something stable to cling to and that there's a stable sense of self that can be satisfied by by getting our experience to be how we want it the wisdom that that develops naturally as we as we observe this process um it dispels that delusion that underlies um that underlies these patterns and very naturally um non-clinging ease and well-being and generosity and kindness and love are what flow from the heart when wisdom is when wisdom is present when there's this absence of confusion and misperception that these are the qualities of heart that really naturally flow forth and so this is really what we're cultivating through this very simple very um it's it can be really uh surprising how just how simple the practice is and feel like well maybe i should be doing more <laughs> and yet through this very simple attending to moment to moment experience with interest in what it is that's actually happening through this interest in oh, where is their stress and where is their non stress where is their ease the mind learns on its own and and naturally moves towards 
deeper and deeper freedom and well-being um, just through the simplicity of our of our moment-to-moment interest and awareness. So those are the reflections um, that I wanted to start us off with this week, and we can ex- we can continue uh, next week. And I wanted to leave some time for um, for any questions or comments um, or about this talk or about what's uh, what's alive for you in your practice. Uh, I had a question. I, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, go ahead. And then, uh, yeah. Um, you read a quote that had the phrase in it, turn your attention to the infinite. Mm. And that really struck me because there's the, there's the observing all of this subjectively, if you will, as it's arising and there's the turning attention to the infinite. (laughs) And in my experience of turning my attention, then those things, they're still there, but they're just softer and lighter, right? Or they're in a mist. (laughs) Um, So, but I wondered about the relationship between those two, this objective mindful awareness of experience as it's happening and turning attention to the infinite. Yeah, great, great. Thanks for that. Thanks for the question. Let me um, pull that up again. Um, So this, yeah, the the language here, um, I think, points to points a little bit to how I how I hold it myself. Um, and so uh, Ajahn Sumedho says that by becoming aware that it's a created thought, one no longer believes it or, or believe, takes it to be, to be reality. And then one begins to sense the infinite instead, the unconditioned. Um, and I, I see this as not so much as as something that we do it's not so much an intentional thing but it's really that when 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 we start to to see through the the kind of seeming solidity of the constructions of the mind um then the mind doesn't doesn't glom on to um the contents or objects of experience so much and then there's quite naturally, not so much as something to do as a practice, but quite naturally as a result of seeing through the seeming solidity of of the constructions of the mind, there's a settling back that happens. And um, other more primary um, aspects of experience can come to the fore, these qualities that feel uh, more infinite, that feel... um, more uh, vastly spacious. There are these qualities that feel deeply still and silent and still right in the midst of everything still happening. Um, And 
that it's through, I think Bhikkhu Bodhi said that um, we, we realize the unconditioned through understanding the conditioned. Um, and so that when through attending to the, just however experience is presenting itself and when there's the insight that, that oh, really sees through the sense of solidity and stability um, of experience then these other aspects of the mind and other aspects of experience um, start to come to the fore. Yeah. And that I see that as, as just happening um, on its own more than something that you can, that needs to be uh, directed towards intentionally. Yeah. But if that's something that's available, like bringing up the, the, as a reminder, like, Oh, can there be an orienting to some, to something, uh, a, a soft and spacious container or a soft and spacious background to experience? If there's a reference point there, then, then remembering that can be really skillful. Yeah. As a, as a, as a pointer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Fred. Yeah. I want to thank you for your comments about wisdom. Uh, I I am relatively new to uh, open awareness meditation, but uh, uh, I I have resonated with the idea that awareness alone is not enough, and uh, and. And at least for me, one of the things that, uh, that goes beyond awareness is wisdom. And, uh, and, uh, I am beginning to have a, a sense of what you describe as an intuitive and direct experience of it. It is not something that you just think about enough and it happens. Uh, it is uh, intuitive and direct. And uh, your comments around wisdom this morning have uh, have been very helpful for me. Thank you very much. Mm. Great. Very glad to hear that, Fred. Thank you. Any other uh, thoughts or comments or questions? Uh, Kathleen, yes. Hi, thank you very much. This is the first time I've heard your teaching, and I'm wondering if there's a, do you have a regular uh, Dharma talk website or something like that? Um, no, not not yet, not yet. Um, still um, quite yeah, quite uh, new, new to the teaching scene. Um, and uh, most of the teaching that I've, that I'm, I'll, I'll be doing, I think will be through IMC and IRC. Um, so there may be some, some more opportunities for me to, to, to join this and other of Andrea's groups, but um, nothing, uh, nothing regular yet. Yeah. Thanks.
Well, we are at time. Thank you all very much for your practice and attention and presence.